2022, what a season it's been. Max completely dominated. Lewis couldn't even get a win. Seb retired, so you got tears from Jorge and Ron. But then we had a bit of a smirk when we found out Mazepin would be gone. Signs and Georgie got their maiden wins. Those moments were so sick. And it was a forever reminder that despite the frustrations, Formula One will always be the shit. That's Ron Morris. And that's Jorge Aquino. And this is Tormenting Tarmac. Where enthusiasts never die. Drop that beat, D. and girls children of all ages that is correct i am jorge aquino ladies and gentlemen that is ronaldo morris this is tormenting tarmac the podcast where the enthusiast never dies my best friend and my brother from another mother is back on the pod for the first time in several episodes ronaldo morris how are you kind sir dude just trying not to die (laughs) six weeks of a cold and another cold another cold anyway quit complaining i i am here to talk f1 and remind you why uh, you were wrong, and I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we made several predictions. Can you talk shit about both of us, something like that. That's, I know. I mean, we both made terrible calls. I, but I did make the correct call in, in regards to everything, at least in regards to the World Driver Championship. Um, not necessarily so much on the constructors, and well, you know, someone went on the deep end but then yeah. may have may not have been right on a couple of things. We'll get into all of that, but <laughs> as you can kind of get to where you can probably understand where we're going with all of this, it is Ron and I's formula one, 2022 season review. We love this sport. It doesn't always love us back, but it's perfectly fine. Um, we've got so Sometimes much. To I talk- love to hate it. <laughs> oh yeah. I know you more than I obviously. And I try to go ahead and be there like, you know, a, a spoiled kid who just cries because yeah. there's nothing he can do to go ahead and necessarily defend set state of said state of the sport. And uh, I hate it when you're always right. It does. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of things that I hate in this world, but if I have to go ahead and hear you <laughs> tell me that there's two things that, that I, oh, no. let's, let's open up a can of worms really quickly. There's two things that I absolutely detest. I hate it when Ron's right. And I hate it when I have to hear my brother-in-law talk smack about my, my, my boy, uh, Bay himself, Lewis Hamilton. I, I can't, I can't, I, I just can't. Um, I, I try to go ahead and keep it together. I try to keep my emotions in check and they usually backfire. And I usually go on a rampage or a tirade of some sort, or I just go ahead and stop answering text messages. Honestly, <laughs> Um, <laughs> he's not like, oh man, I'm cracking up. <laughs> it's the truth, but you know, for the most part, even though you know, I, I think that most of what I said in that intro, Ron, was actually fairly honest. And, oh, it and was. True. It, it, yes, absolutely was. No, I agree. Um, 2022 was an interesting season. Here's the here's the thing, and and I think every not not just every F1 fan, but most motorsports fans will will honestly admit 2021 was 
legitimately a season for the ages. You know what I mean? It was one of the not just greatest F1 seasons of all time. It was one of the greatest motorsports seasons we've ever seen. Yeah, yeah especially the F- last race. Especially that last race, Abu Dhabi, you know, take away the the odd decisions that were made by the stewards by I mean, Michael that's kind Massey. of why it was actually that's that was, i mean that's part of it that, that's part of it yeah that's yeah. part of it yeah but like even then like you know 20 plus races of you know ups and downs highs and lows lewis domination max domination max pulling away lewis with the storm back of a lifetime and then abu dhabi like there wasn't really a way that regardless of how great these new regulations were going to be for 2022 and let it be known right now, we're going to get into that 2022 regulations made a difference big time, but there was no way that 2022 was going to be able to stack up to 2021. It was just impossible. There was such a high bar set by both Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes and Red Bull that it was going to be really tough for anybody to be able to replicate that in any way, shape, or form. But damn it, be damned, did Charles Leclerc and Ferrari give it everything they had at least for like the first two months of the season? Yeah, for like, you know? Yeah, I was going to say for like eight races. <laughs> for like eight races. And actually, let me be, let me say this right now. Charles Leclerc gave it everything he had for the entire Yeah, of the I'd season. agree with that. It yep. was Ferrari that, you know, kind of just fell flat on its face more often than not and yeah, we'll go ahead and get into ferrari yeah exactly yep. you know but he, you know i don't i don't want to go ahead and you know beat around the bush too much and i also want to go ahead and really get into the dissection of the season if you could go ahead and describe to me in like a couple of sentences your overall thoughts of 2022 how would you put it uh, I would say initially exciting and very promising, uh, and then slowly more and more disappointing. I hate to be a negative Nancy, but I, 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 it is my opinion. The season opened up with a bang. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you said, Ferrari looked good. It was like, yes, we finally got you know some new winners. Uh, it looked like maybe the new regs were very promising as far as what the new regs intended to accomplish was better racing and better passing. And for the first, I don't know, like I said, eight races, I don't know exactly, roughly third of the season, mm-hmm. man, that seemed to be the case. We had a few different winners. Uh, we had, I think, Verstappen with some early retirements. Uh, it looked pretty exciting. There was at one point even where I was like, man, Ferrari just might have this in the bag. And then <clears throat> Red Bull and, and, and uh, Mercedes started coming back and making some good races. And then mm-hmm. it just kind of, slowly fizzled um and i I don't know how much we want to get to the ending i guess but then it it ultimately just ended in max and red bull domination like i hate to say it there was a lot of races where for me personally it was like "Eh, do i really need to tune in to just see the result i already know is going to happen um yeah yeah um i can't agree with you more um bahrain started off with an absolute banger um and the weird thing was you know you look at how dominant max and red bull as a whole were because when checo had a good car checo had a good car um not quite as good as max's right but checo was still very very fast um checo had i believe two wins uh, this season 
Go ahead. I potentially will hop on the conspiracy bandwagon here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I fully believe it, but I think there may be some truth to this that uh, early on, Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen were maybe pretty similar. Uh, and that Red Bull is clearly building the car towards Max for Max because as the season went on and as Red Bull developed the car, Max got better and better and Sergio got, for the most part, worse and worse relative to Max. Uh, And it's not like he's suddenly a different driver. So Mm -hmm. the car changed and the conspiracy there is from the get-go, Red Bull was just wanting Max to win and didn't really care about Sergio. I don't even well, know if that's conspiracy. There's probably some truth to that, but it's frustrating. Sure. I mean, as the resident Czechle fan on this podcast, and to be actually, you know what? Let me take that back. It, Ron's actually a pretty big Czechle fan too. He, yeah, he, but he I, think, the, I think it's fair to say uh, you're the uh, resident fan, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm what you know, Checos. You know, there's a there's a there's levels to this, right? You know, there's there's my boy, and then there's everybody that comes after that. But like Checos, like he's up there, he's not Lewis, but he's up there. Checos up there with Danny Rick, you know, for my boys. Um, and I'm gonna get I'm probably gonna agree with you because here's the thing Daniel Ricardo left in 2018 because. Basically, he wasn't getting the love. They were all riding that Verstappen bandwagon over at Red Bull. Okay. And then here Gasly comes in and they were still riding that Verstappen bandwagon. They switch him out with Albon. They were riding that Verstappen bandwagon. Checo comes in and Checo's the only person in all of 2020, in in all of the last couple of years since Daniel Ricciardo to basically be able to go ahead and wrangle in that Red Bull, which was not designed for him to drive as best as he could and got some great results in 2021 um, and definitely helped Max Verstappen win that championship. That wasn't solely responsible, but yep. very much oh, helped. Oh, yes. Right? Oh, in, yes. In, a, in a very similar way to Valtteri Bottas having helped out Lewis Hamilton for such a long period of time and you know, to a little bit less of a degree, Nico Rosberg helping out Lewis Hamilton, but that was a little bit different because they were just the two fastest cars on the grid and they were just racing against one another, to be honest with you. But that's a whole different story, but I'm going to come back to that because of Brazil. Um, My point is, it is very frustrating as a Checo fan to go ahead and see what kind of happened. Um, I don't know. Um, Monaco has been spoken about on a multitude of occasions that Checo felt that 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 he had a car that could go ahead and withstand um, a Max Verstappen onslaught. And that was, f- for whatever reason, supposedly the reason why he crashed crashed in qualifying in Monaco. Um, I don't know whether or not to believe that story. Which, by the way, isn't the first time in F1 history that's happened. Uh, yes. Michael Schumacher did something very similar. I've heard. And... Um, Hell, I, I, I'm gonna. Some people are even under the belief that um, that uh, Charles Leclerc crashed in Monaco in qualifying last year, so he could be on pole. And yeah, then, yes, yep. You know, his Let's transmission was so bad the next day that he wasn't matter. even able to race. <laughs> so, um, it, it, there's a lot of things. But what I can tell you is that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, bias aside, Max Verstappen and Red Bull as a whole 
prove that they were not only the fastest driver on the grid, but the fastest overall two cars for the most part on yep. the grid. Especially in the last I, half of the season. Especially the last half of the season. Um, I want to kind of get into uh, – um, we're going to talk races later on in the podcast, but um, I think it's pretty obvious that Max Verstappen was easily the most impressive because you know he did have, for the most part, the best car. Um, I think the best overall package, I'm not going to say the fastest car, but I, because I genuinely believe that there were moments in times uh, a lot during the season that the fastest car on the grid was not a Red Bull. It was very much a prancing horse, but certainly early on in the season, certainly yeah. early on. And even then, like there were other times where like all had a lot of polls. I, this is one like when I was going back and reading through the season again before this podcast, I mm-hmm. like forgot slash didn't realize how many polls Leclerc had and well not only Leclerc having so many polls but uh right behind him Carlos Sainz yeah yeah Sainz had one or two as well I think he did um you know Carlos Sainz obviously got a victory we went ahead and mentioned that in the intro and that was amazing um but uh it was the horrendous reliability and the horrendous strategy calls from Ferrari that really cost them a lot this over this season overall. Um, and uh, yeah, like I always say, tripping over the shoelaces, man, that is Ferrari status quo. The yeah. Meme where a guy is like riding a bicycle and shoves a stick in the, in the front spokes. That's Ferrari to a T yeah. it's unreal over and over and over again. The like, casual fan knowledge level of what the hell are they doing type calls that Ferrari made. Sure. Uh, what was it? A couple, couple races towards the end. I'm forgetting exactly which race it was. They were the only team to go on hards and then they got like way slower. It was their race to win. If they would have stayed with the same strategy, everybody else, for whatever reason, I remember like, nah, what race that was. We're going to um, go on hard tires. And then Leclerc just plummeted down the, down the, I, like, I almost want to that may have been sao paulo that may have been in, uh, yeah in i think so i think so yeah. um but just yeah, stuff like that over and yeah. over and over again but, but you know what's really frustrating on top of that and the fact that you can actually your levels of frustration can grow off of that is to be fair Ferrari probably shouldn't have even been as fast this season as they actually were. So they were actually more of a surprise than whatnot. And yet they still end up being a disappointment. And that's where I get overtly <laughs> frustrated. Yeah, um, yeah. And you know what the same, you know, who else can actually have the same said for I'm, I'm actually supposed to be talking who impressed me the most, but I'm going off on the stage. So let's go ahead and talk about the disappointments might as well. So Ferrari obviously disappointed the hell out of us. Yep. Haas. Haas ended up disappointing the crap out of me too, Ron, because they too, they had no, let me, let me be very clear right now. I, I, I like Kevin Magnuson. That's your boy though. Like that's actually one of your boys. I, yeah. I like, I like right? him I'm, a lot. Yep. He's, yeah, he's and I'm, and I'm yeah. going to let, <laughs> let you have the throne in just a second, but just give me one second. Kevin Magnuson was out of F1 for two full seasons, right? No, excuse me. One, one full season. I apologize because last year was um, Schumacher and Mazepin's first season. This year would have been season number yep. two. Yep. So K Mag comes back after been out for an entire season, gets in that hostie and wrings its neck and gets like P7 in Bahrain or something like something, P6. Something, 
P6, yeah. something disgusting yeah. of that nature. Yes. Where I was just like way higher up the grid in that car. I, I was like, Kevin, you naughty man. Like, <laughs> how did you pull that out of a house? I don't understand. And by the way, I think it goes to show. And let it be known right now. We talked about Ferrari having one of the fastest cars on the grid. Clearly, they figured out something with their powertrain because not only was the were the Ferraris fast, the Haases were quick, and when they were working properly, the Alfa Romeos were very very quick. Um, I mean, we we saw Valtteri Bottas being on Lewis Hamilton's ass more often than not for those first few races of the season when that yep. shouldn't have been the case whatsoever. I mean, that's not a shot at Valtteri Bottas. That's obviously a shot at Alfa Romeo because their car isn't that quick and they had no reason to be as quick as they were several times. And so I'm trying to give them a compliment here and I'll continue back with Haas. They they were so quick out of the gate and they were so surprising to us. But then, Ron, they, they just couldn't keep it together. Like I never saw any progress after the first third of the season. Yeah, for whatever reason, now we've seen a few seasons where Haas comes out of the gate strong and then just sucks more mm-hmm. and more and more as the season goes on. Um, it's almost like that demonstrates their capability to have a good car, but then right. it's either a budget or something that they don't continue to develop um, in season, which is too bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned develop and budget. I'm going to get back to that very, very soon at some point during this podcast because I've got some thoughts. Um, <laughs> right about uh, that, yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So so basically, just so you know, we will have a section where Ron and I will be allowed to absolutely go off. If you think we're going off now, you stay tuned. Um, another disappointment to me was, and it's, it's very obvious, and that is Mercedes-AMG Patronus. Um, is that how you say it, Patronus? So I'm yeah. going to ask a dumb question here. That is okay. no, it's not a it's not a dumb I've, question. I've always I've is, always thought it as Petronus, but I have no idea. I have I heard, really don't know. I have heard it the Patronus, and if I'm not mistaken, um, if you watch the very first season of Drive to Survive on Netflix, um, out of the three main people that are the Mercedes peeps, obviously that being Lewis and Toto, and at the time Valtteri. Valtteri Bottas is the only person to correctly state the name of their racing, of their F1 racing team. Um, and it is Mercedes AMG F1 Patronus, if I'm not mistaken. And, that, and it's the Patronus. So um, that being said, uh, absolutely. Hor- I, you know, we say horrendous start, yet so, the, the Lewis got a podium first race of the season. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of attrition and luck, but still. Oh, yeah, it, it, it is. Oh, and by the way, George Russell got P4. Um, and that was uh, the string yeah. of like excellence that George Russell had basically throughout the entirety of the season. Um, yes. Especially the first like two thirds. Especially the two thirds. I mean, he was, I mean, there was at no point he wasn't getting anything less than P5. Um, but I think that at the beginning of the season, and it, it, by the way, even with George Russell getting those results that he was getting, which I think is very, very strong for him. Um, an absolute disappointment, clearly, when you've been the last, you know, when you've been the constructors yeah. champions the last yep. eight, eight consecutive seasons, you have built what many people consider probably two of the greatest race cars Formula One has ever seen. Um, and for you to go ahead and fall off that heavy, for you to fall off that hard after these regulations, if anybody should have understood these regulations as well as they did, 
it would have been Toto and, and Mercedes. And they just like fell so flat. And the way that they set up Lewis's car for like the first, let's be real, almost half of the season was near unacceptable. Um, I'll, I'm going to talk about impression, impressiveness in a moment. And that's when I'll talk about George, because I'm going to go ahead and give the man his credit. But, and even then, even if I'm going to go ahead and take this out on Mercedes and take it out on the car, um, clearly Lewis didn't do enough of engineering uh, uh, communication between him and the team strategist, um, him and um, Bono, him and um, uh, chief technician officer. I'm blanking on his name right now. I'll, I'll look up his name in a little bit. Um, but clearly there wasn't enough communication to try and set up that car very well. So as much as I'm going to go ahead and be upset with, with Mercedes, I have no choice if I'm going to be unbiased to be upset with the communication from Lewis Hamilton, because when you're a seven time world champion and you're considered the greatest of your generation, along with Sebastian Vettel, you, you should know better. You should have been able to explain exactly what you wanted. And I'm sorry, man. I've had seven months to think about it and really run it through my mind since the very beginning. You're a bunch of bitches if you're trying to go ahead and change up the rules and have it be that, oh, no, we're too low. That's why my back hurts. I Listen, I love you, and I know that your back hurts, but you're also the, probably the most fit dude on the entire grid. Yeah. You're the most regardless, fit dude. Regardless of that point, most of the other teams were not having that problem. Building cars most of the there were, were some there were some there were some and they fixed it too those are the teams fixed it mercedes for whatever reason was the last team as far as i could tell well what they were trying to go ahead and do is they were trying to manipulate the system and yep. um you yep. know I, again i love mercedes and i love toto and i love lewis but you know we're in the big leagues and they should know better 15 years in the game yep. lewis hamilton you yep. should know better um I, 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 so many times, in particular, the last nine years that you've been with, or 10 years, excuse me, that you've been with Mercedes, um, you have had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity where the not only do the stewards, not only do the marshals, but just the FIA in general tend to lean a little bit towards your way, you know. But when out of 10 teams, only two are having that issue with, with the porpoising. And whatnot, it's clearly not an regulations issue. It's a it's essentially Mercedes didn't do a very good job setting up that race car, and maybe two or uh, one or two other teams in the grid having the same issue. So uh, I, that's just being honest. It, it it that takes a lot for me to admit, but it, it's it's only fair if I'm going to go ahead and be criticizing and then giving praise to not only George Russell but to Lewis Hamilton later on. Um, it's only fair for me to go ahead and critique them as hard as I just did right there. Um, anything else really kind of frustrate you as we go along that, that, that you were like, oh, man, there was no reason why they should have either sucked that bad or that person did as bad as they did? Uh, no, I think you, you – well, also McLaren was disappointing as well. Yeah, I'm not, letting, I'm not letting McLaren off the hook. I'm glad you mentioned them. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. They just – Another year, another era, another new rule set, another generation, and they just were mediocre again. Incredibly it's mediocre. Getting it, frustrating. Well, it is because, you know, and to be fair, everybody with the Mercedes powertrain was actually very just frustrating 
uh, overall yeah. this season. Uh, Mercedes obviously figured it out a little bit more than anybody else. That was obviously with the Mercedes powertrains for obvious reasons. They're the ones that are building it. So they basically get first dibs on everything. But if you look at McLaren, McLaren was God awful. God awful. Like shout out to Lando Norris for going ahead and getting the results that he did. Cause Lord knows did they give Daniel Ricardo a dog crap of a car. Um, and, and, and Aston Martin, I don't know how Sebastian Vettel was going ahead and pulling off results that he pulled off. Well, actually I do know the answer to that. It's because he's a former four-time world champion and the second greatest driver of his generation. That's the reason why, but even, you know, a lot of people like to go ahead and crap on Lance Stroll, but Lance Stroll had a, had a dog of a car too. Um, and, and it was just a really frustrating thing to be, to be able to see. And then, you know, the Williams again, just, yeah. Yep. Hard. I didn't have high expectations man. for them, though. Neither did I. But I mean, again, they have. So it's Mercedes hard to be disappointed train. when you already have low expectations. But oh, good point. Yeah. You know, it's just everything having to do with the Mercedes powertrains for those first like third to half of the season. Boy, howdy! You mix it in with just bad setup in in, in totality. It's it was just full disappointment all all in all. Um. So now let's talk some positives though. Because I just mentioned Lando Norris, him pulling out results out of his butt like nothing in, in, in a car that had no reason to be as quick as it, it, it that that was supposed to be quick, and it was trash. And yet somehow the point discrepancy between himself and Daniel Ricardo, I'm going to go ahead and look it up because it, it, it was shocking. Um, let me go ahead and look this up really quickly. And please excuse the pause. Lando Norris, P7 in the championship, 122 points. We go down all the way to P11 for Daniel Ricciardo, 37. Oof. For, <clears throat> for two cars that got 1-2 at Monza last year, and I know that Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen crashed out, but as we stated on last year's review season, uh, season review, excuse me, um, Daniel Ricardo and Lando Norris were handing it to everybody last year at Monza. So Lewis and Max crashing out wouldn't have made a difference because they were going to go ahead and be very high up the results regardless. But um, for there to be such a discrepancy um, and for Lando Norris to still pull out 122 points out of that car must be commended, must be commended. Like how did he do that? I'm not sure. I'm going to go ahead and look. Okay. So he didn't finish in Bahrain. He didn't finish in Miami. He didn't finish in Canada. He didn't finish in Belgium. He got one point in Japan. Everything else he actually scored. And he scored big. Which is really, really impressive. Exactly. It's you, you I can't hate on that man. That dude is actually like, you know, we've seen a lot of dudes start to grow up in front of our eyes since they got called up in 2019. Lando Norris is one of those guys that, you know. He came in. I was like, oh, man, I'll see about this Lando Norris kid. But I was paying attention to to George Russell and I was paying attention to Alex Albon. And obviously you're still sticking to Max Verstappen because he's still a young guy. And there's Pierre Gasly and Charles. Right. And I was and Lando was kind of at the bottom of my list. But, you know, if you if you're going to go ahead and give credit to George Russell, you absolutely need to give credit to Lando Norris because. Yep. Yep. That's fair. You know, 
here's where I'll say this to me, even though George Russell might be the better racer, the more pressure was on Lando because McLaren is a better overall product and a better overall program than Williams. Right. So you put Lando in that car and, and not to mention his first teammate, his teammate for the first two years of his racing career was somebody who's no joke in Carlos Sainz. And he's, he's gradually improved. It's gone from like gradual improvement to ridiculous improvement. And I, you can't hate on that. You can't, you, you, you can't hate that. You, you look at that dude and you're like, damn, like, I just want him to get his first win now. Like you're just, now you're just salivating it because he's proven to you time and time again, that on his best day, he can race. You just got to give him a good car. So Another impressive and mighty season from Lando Norris. Thoughts? Yep. No, I I completely agree. Um, yeah. Now, I think it's fair to say that um, now we can talk George Russell and we can go ahead and sing his praises. <clears throat> and, um, I'll let you have your, your moment of, oh, Jorge, I told you so, well, even I'll, though you I'll, got a pick, but which I'll let, I'll, which I'm going to go ahead I'll, and get, I'll get it. I'll begin it with humility first. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and that is, I think at the season preview, I predicted he'd you win think? the championship. Um, uh, part of that was just to troll you. Um, but I did firmly believe he was going to be better than Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. When Russell uh, subbed in for, it was for Hamilton, yeah, last season. When well, two seasons COVID, ago, yeah, two seasons ago, mm-hmm. and did really well. Everybody was like, it was just a fluke. And I remember thinking, like, no, he's well, he actually got, that good. He started P two in qualifying, which was ridiculous. Yes, and I have often stated that even though Hamilton is extremely good, he's had the benefit of very often being in an extremely good or the best car, and not always the best teammates. And thus, sometimes I think made him look. Uh, completely untouchable, which I didn't think was true. And my prediction was Russell would beat Hamilton this year. And Sir Jorge, he very much did. Okay. Okay. Don't don't get up in my grill like that, okay, Mister? Oh, too snotty. Uh, SpongeBob like melted off my face. No, uh, don't even. Okay. Yes. I mean. For real, it's if if anything, this was potentially as, as equal as it could get between Hamilton and Russell because it was a brand new car. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like it was Russell stepping into the previous gen car that Hamilton knew very well. Um, sure. Well, I mean that, that probably would have been even more impressive if, if George Russell beats him in yes, a car. Yes. That- yes. I guess. I guess my point was uh, driver versus driver. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty heads up, in my opinion. Sure. Uh, Russell didn't seem to be complaining about the porpoising either. He was finding ways to drive around it. And and I don't know if that was tolerating setups that didn't need to porpoise to make speed or what. That I don't know. Um, either way, he had a string of just, uh, what do I want to say? Um, he... He reminded me a lot of Jeff Gordon in the 90s when he was young and everybody hated him. 
And yeah. he was just consistently knocking out top tens and top fives. Well, let me go uh, ahead and give you Russell a statistic. Russell was doing something similar. Sure. Let me give you a statistic right now since we're talking about Russell. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read off to you all the points. Uh, Russell scored 12 in Bahrain, 10 in Saudi Arabia, 15 in Australia, 12 in um, not Italy, but um, the Romagna Grand Prix, which was held at um, not Monza. It was Imola, excuse me. Imola, it's in San yeah. Marino. Yes. Um, and then he scored 10 in Miami, 15 in Spain, then 10 in Montreal, 15 in Azerbaijan, 12 in Canada. His first retirement didn't come until Great Britain. And then still in Austria scored 17, 15 in France, 15 in Hungary, 12 in Belgium, 18 in the Netherlands, and then 15 in uh, Monza. And the string didn't end until Japan, and he had a retirement in Singapore. So he only scored four in Japan. Yep. Um, or by the way, I say a retirement. It says a dash. Excuse me. He did not score points. Um, so out yeah. of the 23 season, uh, races this season, um, George Russell didn't score points in two of them. Uh, what the bleep? Like, that's utter yeah. insanity. You know, just um, killed it, man. He, he did. Like, there's nothing that I can do or say to go ahead and defend it. Um, uh, and I'm not remembering purposes, off the top of my uh, head, I should have, to be, to be somewhat fair, I seem to recall in the season, he made one or two really boneheaded choices. Yes. Uh, which... He, Put an egg on his face, and and we should acknowledge that. Um, I believe he but, he definitely knocked out signs in Mexico, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And did he hit someone at U.S. Grand Prix too? I think turn he, one. Oh, that actually that may that may have been pretty great. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, not yep. in Mexico. I yep. apologize. But I mean, I don't want to excuse it, but but what racer hasn't at some point done things like that, regardless. Next, yeah. His full body of work this season, I think, was very impressive. Incredibly impressive. Um, and, and he deserves all the accolades, and he impressed the hell out of me. And absolutely. You who, know. Uh, who impressed you? Um, well, I mentioned Lando, and I agree with you 100% oh, right, on you Russell. Yep. Um, here's what I will say. You know, I trashed on Lewis in the disappointment, but in the second half of the season, Lewis turned. Yeah, he started to rally, especially towards the very end. He started towards the very end. I mean, you look at and you look at his uh, his performance in Sao Paulo, which we'll talk about when we get to Brazil. Um, he just really went ahead and stepped it up. Him and Mercedes finally figured out the best setup for his car. Um, and you know, you I where I will defend Lewis a little bit in regards to you know a, a setup between whatever Russell had and whatever Lewis had. You know, people tend to forget that Lewis Hamilton is 37 years old. You know, yes, I may have, wow. I may have said, yeah, I know, I hadn't even realized that. I, exactly. I mean, so I may have said it's like duh, but still. No, I know, I know. He's the second oldest driver on the grid. The oldest driver on the grid right now is Fernando Alonso. Yeah, um, by like a generation. <laughs> well, 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 by three years actually, because Alonso I think just turned 40 or 41, so he's actually old. He's he's definitely older um, by quite a bit, but. You know, I, I gave the compliment of Lewis Hamilton being one of the, if not the most fit dude on the grid. But just because you're fit doesn't mean that your body is going to handle the same bumps as maybe a 24-year-old George Russell will. There's, there's just a difference. There's a 13-year difference there. 
the tolerance for what that setup might be handled by Russell won't necessarily be the same from Lewis Hamilton. So people can go ahead and say, oh, he was complaining a lot. And even I trashed him. I just did. But I mean, you and I, if you and I were in a race car, you and I have different body types, right? So if I like, if let's say they set up the race car, you know, for you and it's hurting me, even though I might be in good shape, I'm not, but that's not the point. Even if I were in good shape and it's hurting me, it might be hurting me because I'm a bigger dude or, you know, my back is positioned in a different way. You know what I mean? I think that's fair. So I I want, even though I'm going to, I trashed on Lewis, I want that to be taken with a grain of salt. Um, And he still relatively impressed me very much. Um, Another person that really impressed the hell out of me, um, I will absolutely give credit where credit is due. Alex Albon, boy, howdy, did he really impress me this season. And I'll tell you the reason why. Because the last three years, George Russell has basically been blowing everybody's mind in that slow-ass Williams. And then Alex Albon comes in and people were like, you know, basically the thought was, we're either going to go ahead and find out if Alex Albon is really as good as he claims he is or um, Nicholas Latifi is that slow. Did we find out that Nicholas Latifi was that slow? Yes. Did Alex Albon have near as many of the best results that George Russell did the last three seasons in his first season? Yes, he did. And for him to prove that in the slowest car. Yep, I think that's fair. You know, he, I think it, I think what's unfortunate though, the reality is Albon's career is over. Like, yeah, he's still gonna be a Williams, but I don't think he's ever gonna get anything higher, which is too bad. But well, I think Logan Sargent's gonna really help uh is gonna, you know, really benefit from yeah, his, that'll be really, really, really what happens there, but we'll save yeah. that for the season preview. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um Alex Albon really it yeah. was great to see him be back on the grid because I personally thought that no disrespect to Yuki Sonoda who actually, to be fair, Yuki Sonoda, not going to say impressed me, but definitely had a better season than last year. And I will go ahead and give him his yeah. credit. Yeah. Um, but to me, Yuki Sonoda should not have been in the Alpha Tauri. I thought that it should have been Pierre Gasly and Alex Albon at the Alpha, in the Alpha Tauri last year. Um, and it was nice to go ahead and see Alex Albon be back on the grid. Yep. So I'll, I'll say the last, last one that impressed me was Botas. Uh, yeah, I was hoping that you'd say it. And especially those first early races too. But for whatever reason, it seemed like the read I got, he was more comfortable being himself at Alfa Romeo. And thus the results showed it. Yeah, he wasn't. It's like, okay, I'm a big New York Yankees fan, right? Every, most people know this. And if you don't, yep, I love baseball. It's, a very, it's really the only character flaw that Jorge has, but it's a significant one. All right, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, no, but in reality is uh, the best comparison that you can go ahead and make to the New York Yankees is in all honesty, Mercedes at this moment in time. Right. Yeah. I would and agree they have like, that. and there's this like yeah. really structured regime. They're both evil empires. They're both almost the evil empires in a way. Right. And here's something that people don't realize when you go to the New York Yankees, you're not allowed to go or the Steinbrenner's don't want you to have facial hair in any way, shape, or form. And I'm not saying that that was ever the case in Mercedes because obviously Lewis Hamilton actually has a beard, as did Botas. But if you notice, he had let his hair grow out differently. He was cutting it in sillier ways. Um, he then went ahead and 
got rid of the of the beard and had a mustache for a long time. He just and, and even I, I'm going to be honest with you, as as tight as Bottas and Hamilton seemed when they were at Mercedes, they seemed even more tight yeah, now. Yeah, it's funny. Agreed. Yes. Right. It, 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 and maybe it was the fact that, you know, well, Lewis kind of misses him. And by the way, let it be known right now, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell did seem like they made an excellent team together. Like that was definitely yeah. a master t- uh, a master student type relationship that we're I'm going to see how it develops more in the next year or so. But there was a lot of respect between both Lewis Hamilton and George Russell. But the respect between Lewis and Valtteri was that's my brother over on the other side. And it was very fun. And Valtteri really let loose. And it was very, very cool to see him that. And Valtteri had his results that he could have had better results had that Alfa Romeo been way more consistent because it was not. It was a it it had its moments of like that might be the second or third worst car on the grid. And then when it was, when the engine was working properly, it was definitely right in that midfield mix of like, we're going to do, we're going to hit hard and we're going to hit really hard. And Joe Guan Yu deserves all a lot of credit too, because he definitely had himself a nice little rookie season. So shout out to him. Yep. And yep. one final impressive one, which I wanted to see more, but I'll take for now. Um, overall Alpine, um, Fernando yeah, Alonso, like, I don't even know how he's 40. Honestly, I really don't get it. Cause he doesn't race like he's 40. He races like his, he, if he was still 30, he's his, his, his concept of being able to go ahead and drive a race car as fast as humanly possible around a race about around a racetrack is utter insanity. Um, I thought Esteban Ocon was okay. Um, I thought he was better than last year. Uh, even though he got a win last year, obviously, but um, Alpine fits in this weird, like they impressed me, but then they should have been better type situation. I don't know. What do you think? Sorry, struggling to hit the mute button here. Yes. No, I agree. Um, I think they were still somewhat mediocre, but I think they had moments of showing their potential and we'll see what that, see what happens next year. Um, sure. I've not always been a big Alonzo fan. Mm-hmm. And I think next year we'll show whether I'm right or wrong about some of my thoughts there. Now that he's leaving the team, uh, if they continue to do well or get better um, or if they start to not do as well, um, we'll find out. Sure. It, it, you know, I, here's an interesting thought. I'm not sure if you even looked at it this way, but you remember when Alonzo left um, Ferrari, Sebastian Vettel took his place. And now Sebastian Vettel is leaving Aston Martin and retiring. Fernando Alonso is taking his place. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's, it's very odd how the, how it all comes <laughs> back together and just very weird. Very weird. Um, yes. One quick note on that that kind of pissed me off uh, is when Vettel retired, he specifically, one of the things he specifically said was making room for younger people in the sport, younger drivers. And then Aston Martin goes and replaces him with fucking Alonzo. Yeah, that is kind of interesting. (sighs) If 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 you can't, if there was ever a a way, and this isn't a shot at at Fernando Alonso, it's more of a shot at Lauren Stroll. Like, yes, absolutely, bro. What? (laughs) 
Okay. But to be fair, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's trying to go ahead and make Lance look better, but it's like you keep putting him against the best drivers of our generation. Like at some (laughs) point, you're not even cutting your son a deal. Yeah. Like, come on. It's like, I'm sorry. I got mad and I had to go ahead and put the microphone away from me. But like, okay. So you, you had Lance versus Checo. Now I'm not saying Checo's up there, but Checo's good. Like really good. And Lance was, that's, that's a tough task for anybody, not just Lance Stroll. Let it be very clear. Okay. So you replace Lance, uh, you, 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 you let Checo go. You bring in one of the greatest of all time. Oh, okay. Sure. That's going to go ahead and be really easy for Lance Stroll. Struggles for two years. Yep. It's okay. He's going to retire. It's finally Lance is going to be able to catch a break. You're going to go ahead and put in someone who's at least within Lance's level. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to go ahead and give you former two-time world champion who beat Michael Schumacher at his peak in Fernando Alonso. That's yeah, that's a yeah. great idea, Lawrence Stroll. Yep. Really yep. make, really try to make your son look good there, except, no, you keep putting him up against the goats. It's not even fair. If I was Lance, I would freaking want to punch my dad in the face. <laughs> um that all that all be i'm sorry i'd be i'd be pissed would you not like this, yeah yeah stupid yeah, yeah. um but that all being said like I, I'll, here's where i'll give alpine their final bit of credit they definitely got it way better than mclaren did by a country oh, mile. Yeah. they, they oh, went ahead yeah. they they took a major dump on McLaren, and that was soup yeah, yeah. um like mclaren you're right mclaren I, to me had higher expectations than Alp- alpines were high but McLaren was just as high. And if I had to go ahead and give a passing grade to Alpine and a passing grade to McLaren, Alpine got like a B minus, maybe even a C plus. Let's be real. I'm going to give them a C plus. Yeah, something in there. Okay. McLaren got an F plus. <laughs> and, the, and the only plus is because Lando drove his ass off. You know? So yep. I think that's uh, – that's enough there. Now, there's a couple of other questions that I want to go ahead and just get out of get out from you and whatnot, Ronald. Um, you know, we 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 talked about um, so we want to discuss the best races of the season, but uh, there's been something that's been bugging me for a while now, for at least a month and a half. Um, I've talked about it and been very critical on social media, more the, almost to the point where I get the messages from Ronald saying, homie, home slice, home dog, careful what you say on social media. You're repping me and you, remember? So I got to remember that. But now that we're on the podcast, sir, I'm representing myself and you represent yourself. <laughs> Can we talk about Sao Paulo for a second? Sure. Do it. Let's dig into it. Oh, my God. I don't even know where to begin. Um, so George Russell obviously got his maiden win of the season and not to mention won the sprint race. Um, he killed it and not to mention your boy Keymac got pole. Like, yeah, like that. If that's not gangster, I don't know what is like, shout out to it Kevin. Cool. That's, that's, yeah. that, going back to Kevin Magnuson having one hell of a season. Like, that's why I'm also mad at Haas because they couldn't, you know, give him better yes. than that. Uh, yes. We're going to get you pole. Oh, we're going to go ahead and have you not even finish the race. Great job. Um, But, you know, Sao Paulo was so great for a variety of different reasons. Mercedes got the one, two, you know, Russell drove his ass off all weekend, hunted down Max, you know, 
Lewis drove exceptionally well. Yep. Uh, even the Ferraris were, were really very strong. much a good team that weekend. Yep. Yes, they were easily the best team of the entire weekend. Um, for all that we've said about Max Verstappen having a dominant season, Max had already gone ahead and wrapped up the championship in Japan like three races prior. The previous race in Mexico, if I'm not mistaken, Red Bull wrapped up the constructors. So they've swept the entirety of the season. All they're trying to do is at this point, make sure that Checo can finish P2 in the standings, which was very much in the works. He was tied with Charles, or maybe I think held a one-point lead over Charles Leclerc for P2 in the championship. I've seen a lot of the comments, uh, which Ron always tells me not to read, but I don't listen because I love to be hurt, apparently. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But... uh, Max didn't want to go ahead and let Checo pass in Brazil, even though his engineer told him to pass. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, sometimes I can't tell if it's actually him that's talking, but uh, it's very, 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 very aware that at one point that was very much Christian Horner on the radio telling him, Oh yeah. Let Checo pass. Yes. Yeah. And Max did not let Checo pass. Yep. I want your unfiltered thoughts right now. And I don't want to hear before you actually your rules. You're not allowed to crap on Lewis Hamilton because Lewis Hamilton has no, I wasn't going to say anything about Lewis. Thank you. Well, because everybody else in the comments sure did. No, I, I think it showed, uh, it showed Verstappen's true colors. It showed he's very immature. It was, I think, extremely selfish very rude uh even if there was some rightful beef between him and and Perez uh that's a different discussion but let's just assume that there is that there's I don't know something happened um still was in the face of the team and it's still it was just so undeniably f you I don't care about you. In fact, screw you, like, in, on purpose. Um, me, 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 me. It's about me. Uh, and it's just... I mean, I, I've always acknowledged Verstappen is an extremely good driver and I think not a good person. And I don't generally like to say things like that with drivers or with sports people because rarely do you... You know, you don't actually know them as humans, but... Max has such a track track record of things like this that I have no problem saying that. I think he's not a good person. And, and that was just another example of it. Um, it was just an asshole thing to do. Um, that couldn't have said it better myself. Couldn't have said it better myself. It, 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 what really frustrates it would me about- not have It would not, I'll say one last thing mm-hmm. to prove that. It would not have hurt him in any way, shape, or form, to have let him by, to let Perez by. We don't have heard him whatsoever. He already had the championship. Red Bull already has the Constructors' Championship. It has no change in the outcome to Max's season whatsoever. And he still chose not to do it. Yep. Well, it's, it's really frustrating because Max wasn't even racing for a win. This was the difference between P6 and P7. One point. Exactly. 
Yeah. One point. Um, and you look at 2021 and everything, and I mean everything that Checo did. Um, by the way, everybody focuses in Abu Dhabi, but Checo's, perform- Checo's performances yeah. in Mexico last year were huge for what he for, for Max's title charge. Um, Checo's performance in France was huge. Um, you know, Checo let Max through and they went Mercedes hunting and they, they, they hunted and they, they, they definitely pulled yep. it off that I believe yep. they got a P1, P3 and got Bottas out of the podium and it was Hamilton splitting them. And it was because of Checo letting Max through. Um, and then of course you have Abu Dhabi, you know, we, we, Lewis or Ron and I, you know, still geek out about this because we geeked out about it so hard last season. Uh, it was uh, what was the difference of eleven seconds, I believe. Yeah, that's all, no, not it down to three. Oh, you're right. I Actually, it was, it was somewhere around that. thirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it was, was crazy. A, it was disgusting. It was unreal what he did. Right, yeah. the minister of defense, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Like um, Max literally has his championship and thanks to Sergio. Correct. He, he seriously does. Correct. And it was a simple like. Red it had Red Bull gotten a P1, P2 constructors and drivers in the entire season. That's I don't know how you don't call that domination. Yep. And you let Charles Leclerc right yep. in. Yep. You let him right in. Yep. And then obviously the result they get in Abu Dhabi allows Charles Leclerc to go ahead and beat Checo yep. by one point. You know what pissed me off even more, though, mm-hmm. than all that in, in this whole situation is how then Red Bull put out a statement that was basically like, hey, guys, please be nice to Max. Don't hurt his feelings. Oh, boy. Said howdy. nothing hey. about said nothing about like sorry to Sergio or yep. we're doing this internally or whatever. They basically just patted Max's back and confirmed that they're not Red Bull racing their Yoss and Max Verstappen racing. Like it's just oh boy, it's Yoss Verstappen. It, it it was such a like transparent of yeah, yeah, we care about Max, don't really care about Sergio. Like just so just like wow, wow. So what really there there was a lot of that's just one facet for your mirror and there's the other facets that I want to go ahead and get into right now which I thought was absolutely absurd um they were in Abu Dhabi they were doing their press conferences before practice before qualifying and whatnot and one of the things that Max Verstappen was getting upset about he was so offended was oh I'll take the criticism for myself but I'm not going to go ahead and withstand the criticism towards my mother Listen, man, I got a mom. Shout out to my mommy. I love her so much. Shout out to Mrs. Morris, who always appreciates this podcast and always tunes in whenever Ron's on. Shout out to you, Mrs. Morris. I would have loved to have seen you for Thanksgiving. By the way, I saw Ron on Thanksgiving weekend. It was beautiful. We almost cried. It was great. Um, (laughs) I'm all for defending my mom, too. But here's the difference. I'm 33 years old. Ron's 32 years old. Max Verstappen is 25 or 26. 
He's a grown ass man. I don't need my mom fighting my battles. A B if my mom's going to fight my battles, I don't need her to go ahead and be talking smack about things that absolutely do not pertain to her whatsoever. And Mrs. Verstappen making the comment in a Twitter post, which is confirmed about saying that Checo cheated in Monaco in that race twice by saying that he purposely crashed and then cheated on his wife was so below the belt. That was so beyond like, you don't say that stuff that I literally lost all respect for the Verstappen family at that point. Because not only is Mrs. Verstappen going ahead and just crapping on Checo, which I'm not, let me be very clear. I'm not condoning uh, uh, infidelity whatsoever. That's not what we're doing here. But when you go ahead and say comments like that, and you're looking to go ahead and take a shot at that dude, you're actually also dragging his wife in the mud completely. Yeah. And I mean, this is, this is all, I mean, to your point, it's, it's relevant. A. And B, this is all when the Verstappens don't have anything to lose. Like, they already won the championship. Red Bull already yeah. won the championship. Like, there's no reason to be saying anything, any of this stuff against Perez. Like, like literally all you had to do was give up one point. That's it. The end. Yep. Like, it doesn't hurt you at all. It doesn't hurt your family at all. And then instead, it's like they're acting as if, like, Perez has ruined their life. It's just such a entitled uh, point of view, I guess. I don't know. It's it's hard to even for me to even quantify or explain it because it's just so yeah. like what like why it it, 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 it it was like you know how when and regardless of party when presidents usually win or yeah all of a sudden they stop talking crap about the guy they beat right. Mm-hmm. Like, all of a sudden now they're like, oh, actually, they're a really good person after all. It's just a campaign trails hard, whatever stupid mm-hmm. excuse, right? It's kind of like that, except they just kept talking crap. It's like, why? What is this even doing? Sure. It was just, yeah. Well, it was, I, I, I usually, what's something I complain to Jorge a lot about is I am very much over the pettiness of F1 and all the stupid drama and all this crap. And I just want yeah, to get to uh, Hold on. But, but this you do was love the very drama. Much, it depends. But I, I will say this was very much a situation where it really was just so like, what the hell? Sure. Like, what are we even doing? So No, I, I that, that I agree with you 100%. And by the way, you, you add that on top of the fact that Nelson Piquet, Kelly Piquet's dad, former F1 world yes. champion, Kelly Piquet is, you know, Max Verstappen's girlfriend. You know, you add into the fact that Nelson, whether or not you want to, however you translate it, he made a racial comment against Lewis Hamilton unnecessarily. So you add it into this whole family of like, there's there's so many cards that stack up here that are like, yeah, it that they're just, I hate to say it. This is, oh my God. It just looks like they're all pieces of shit. And and I hate saying that because I'm sure that Kelly Piquet is a very nice gal, but 
I think the true colors have been shown by Joss Verstappen for a really long time. And now we just oh, yeah. went ahead and saw Max's Verstappen's Max Verstappen's mom's yep. true colors. And um, and then Christian Horner. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what pisses me off about all this is like even Red Bull themselves and Horner, who I used to like be one of my favorite teams and thought they were awesome, is just yeah, bending over to them. Well, Christian Horner, it, 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 I don't know what it, I don't know, I don't understand what the issue is here because he acts like he's never gone through this before. Christian Horner, I'm gonna, I'm gonna direct this comment to, to you, even though I know you're never gonna listen to this podcast, but you, you're not new to this, man. You're, you're, you're not like you are a, the, you are the team principal of the five time constructor champion Red Bull Racing. You are team principal of six world championship drivers. Two, I mean, two, but six driver championships in totality. Yep, yep, yep. This is in your first rodeo, man. And you, you can't let this continue. Like, I, I understand Verstappen is, I know he is, but I, I understand that Max Verstappen brings in the money, but guess what? So does Chekhov. And I understand that maybe Sebastian Vettel was bringing you in the money, but so did Mark Weber. So you, you, you're yep. the team principal of the team, this, this not is, of Max uh, Verstappen. I will definitely say that this is an area where someone like Toto Wolf makes all the difference. Yes, which is the reason why Nico Rosberg, when he retired, like a bitch, he, <laughs> he retired <laughs> nonetheless. That's why he brought in someone that was going to match up with Lewis Hamilton to help the team dynamic. And, okay, yep. we'll see whether or not Bottas can hang with Lewis. He can, but not quite. That, that, but not quite. So that means that clearly Lewis, is, Lewis was the better driver. Let's be real. Like, Lewis is a better driver he, than Valtteri Bottas. Period. Yes, story. he was. Yep. Right? But, but Toto still started every season. I think mostly, honestly, like, okay, they're starting out even, and we'll see where we get. And then, yes, we'll pick pick a number one but yep. exactly that's no no you you you've said it perfectly. all the time mercedes had team orders in situation where it wouldn't hurt driver a for driver b to get a couple extra points or this that and the other happened yes. all the time with them germany always all about like taking yes they were always all about like taking turns for who gets draft qualifying or whatever they're, they're fairly it frustrates me how good they were about that because <laughs> I don't necessarily like them, but damn, they did a good job at it in retrospect. And exactly. Red Bull has done the polar opposite. Yes. Um, and, and to go ahead and really shoot themselves in the foot, you know, we're acting really happy about something that happened, but you have to read in between the lines. And I'm going to go ahead and be honest with myself as a Daniel Ricardo fan. And I'm sure that you should be honest with yourself as a Daniel Ricardo fan. Yes. It's great that Daniel Ricardo has been brought back as their reserve driver and as basically a marketing gimmick. But if you read in between the lines, this is the decision from Red Bull and from Christian Horner and from, um, uh, Hello, Marco. Uh, thank you from Marco. Danny Rick has been brought in because it's basically Checo, you get out of line again on their terms, right? But if Checo gets out of line, quote unquote, yep. Yep. Checo's, Checo's getting cut, Danny Rick's in that seat. That's literally what they have done. And, and, and you'd yep. have to be silly to not realize that that's exactly 
what they have decided to do. I, I, I meant for that conversation yep. to happen in our preview, but it's here now. And let's be real. Like it, it, it that's just, I had never thought of it, but dude, I think you're right. It, it, it's just, and it really frustrates me because as a Daniel Ricardo fan, I want him to succeed, but I also don't want to go ahead and see him in succession or excuse me, succeeding in spite of Sergio Perez. That's the last thing I want. And let it be known right now, and I stated this at the beginning of the podcast, Max Verstappen won this championship outright. Like, flat out, he was yep. the best was driver in good. Yep. the most consistent car of the season. Yep. Key, key point, the best driver. Lewis Hamilton fanboy saying Max Verstappen was the yep. best driver on the grid yep. all season long. Yep. Doesn't take away from the fact that he acted like a fucking asshole. And you're 25 yep. or 26 years old. Get over yourself. And Agreed. Red Bull, stop catering to this behavior. Such it's toxic. An, yeah, he's just in such it's a toxic. privileged position. So, yeah. yeah, I agree. So I had to go ahead and get that off my chest. That all being yep. said, let's talk about some of the best races of the season. And boy, it was Brazil one of them. What a banger and a half. Yeah. Oh, okay, we talked about that. You know, Czech, or George Russell got his maiden win. Um, we're going to stick on the Max Verstappen thing for one second because you said – you disagreed on something with me, and now here's where you get a chance to go ahead and put it out to the world, Ronald. I told you that the only person that knows how to race Merckstappen as aggressively as humanly possible that's on the grid right now happens to be <clears throat> Sir Lewis Carl Davidson Hamilton, and you did your you did your usual. So what's your response there, young man? Because... I'm just going to let you know you're completely and utterly wrong, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, Leclerc has shown at times that he can race Verstappen. Um, that's, because, I, that's because Verstappen lets him, Ron. I, maybe. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. And I, I think, at least early on, Ricardo also showed it when they freaking wrecked because Ricardo – wouldn't let Verstappen steamroll him. Um, and they crashed. Jorge's making the big <laughs> face. I'm going to let you know. No, you know what? I'm not going to interrupt you. I'm going to let you finish. Those, those are the two that are coming to mind off the top of my head. I apologize for having, having more ready when I said I would. Um, I, I, I think Verstappen absolutely was the best. I think he but I think he is the most, how do I say? It? I don't know if aggressive driver, he's the most asshole-ish driver because he continually puts other drivers in positions where it's either we're going to wreck or you're going to let me pass you. And I don't think that is a better racer. I think it's just being an asshole. Um, and I think some drivers have done a better job standing up to that than others. Uh, Hamilton being one of them, but also guys like Leclerc and, and Ricardo. Um, that it shows that Verstappen, um, sorry, it shows that Hamilton is not the only one who can do it, I guess. Kind of fumbled through that, but. No, it's fine. <clears throat> Here's the thing about everything you said, Ron. The thing about him and Charles is that Charles and him did not have a single incident all season long. Every single time that they were racing against one another, yeah, that's here. This year, whether that's it was true. Saudi, Saudi or Bahrain, well, that's kind of my point, though. 
I mean, to be fair, I think I know where you're getting at. You're getting, there was a race that I remember in specific. It was Charles's first year at Ferrari um, and they were in Austria and Max Verstappen came through the field. I think he was like maybe P5 and ended up winning the race. And one of the things, you know, what, what the way that that race ended, um, which wasn't not necessarily controversial or anything like that, but it was one of the more aggressive times that I've seen Verstappen be aggressive towards somebody else not named Lewis Hamilton and this was pre-2021 so Charles Leclerc comes to mind there was a little bumpity bump in the middle of that pass where he basically kind of bumped into Leclerc and he kind of ran him off a little bit but that was Verstappen being young that was Leclerc's first year at Ferrari they've both matured they're actually really good friends and respect each other off track things of that nature we saw it in in the cool down room all season long like they were homies right like it's like oh it's charles and max like well you're my friend and you're my friend yes that's a terrible <laughs> accent but you, you, you know you've heard leclerc talk and you've heard verstappen talk like that's whatever that's not the point but, but they were there was a lot of like respect a healthy dose of respect a healthy dose of respect that i thoroughly believe was not there last year between lewis hamilton and max verstappen right um and all season long, we hadn't seen Lewis and Max race up at the front because basically Mercedes was that far behind Red Bull, right? And the one time that Mercedes finally has it all together and Lewis has a fast enough car to be up at the top of the grid with Max Verstappen, we see a regression of Max Verstappen and an over-aggression of Lewis Hamilton. So when I say this, please note, this is not coming as I'm crapping on Max. This is a, there's something about these two that that bad blood has clearly spilled over yeah, into yeah. another season. And I don't think that that bad blood will ever go away. So no, I hope it doesn't. <laughs> I, neither do I. But what I would like for it to be is that they they can race without breaking pieces off of from their car and what i would like is if max is trying not to run off lewis and if lewis were not to be trying to run off max um because what's going to happen is if mercedes can build a fast car next season all we're going to go ahead and see is max and lewis dnfing every single time because they don't want like they're you 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 mentioned something Yo, I mean, sure, right? As and to an extent, as would I, but I'd really like to go ahead and see Lewis win number eight personally, right? Yep. But my 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 thing is, and you brought this up, is um, Max Verstappen has a way of bullying other drivers on the on the track to don't put your car there because I'm not going to let you, and if you do, I'm going to run you off, and every other driver on the grid is going to back off except for Lewis Hamilton. And the problem with that is Lewis Hamilton is like Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton are the um, unstoppable force meets the immovable object. That's what those two are. And that's why I think they need to tone it down just a smidge when they're racing in order for them to like basically keep their car in one piece. Because I actually believe that Max Verstappen probably would have had a better result than P6 in Brazil had he not tried to run Lewis off and Matt yeah. and Lewis oh, Hamilton probably true. could have maybe beat George Russell in Brazil had a priest of his car not broken off. Yeah. 
Um, yep, that's true. So, it, but I also yeah. think that's somewhat an F one problem as sure. well. Not saying it's dead, but as well um, that drivers can't race aggressively, and there's this stupid uh, racing. What do I want to call it? Racing line boundary, whatever. I don't know why I'm the limit of track well, limit. That's, tr- track limits stupid can track suck limit rule yeah. and yada yada yada. I, I think it's it's a problem that is relatively unique to F1 that drivers can't race each other like that. I hate it, uh, and it is exacerbated between Verstappen and Hamilton. To your point, yeah, um, yeah. That all being said, that race was an absolute just banger, yeah. a classic, one of the best races of 2022. Uh, another race that I had in mind, but I want to go ahead and let you talk because I know you went ahead and said Brazil, but what else comes to mind for you? Well, the British Grand Prix is the easy one, I think. Um, so, sorry if I stole your thunder. <laughs> uh, as, le- uh, as long as you let me make the call, that's all that. That's all I need. <clears throat> Signs getting his his uh or not signs um no it was signs signs got no it was signs yeah yeah it was signs signs getting his win um a bunch of different leaders in that race um that was that was one different thing strategies going on Ferrari uh, just com- almost start. crumbling yeah Ferrari just absolutely just. <laughs> Strapping into some concrete shoes and jumping off the pier. I mean, just, <laughs> just there, there is just that's good. I like that one in the best ways possible in so many ways. Sure. It's it just a, a exciting, exciting race where uh, every single lap you're like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen here. So sure, and not to mention what my probably favorite part of the season and my my damn sure favorite part of that race is Charles Leclerc and and, and Checo Perez like racing for their lives yeah, racing yeah. for their lives and checo with this like full-on push-off not a push-off per se but like driving leclerc off of silverstone and then in typical british fashion crowd goes absolutely bananas because david croft with the call of the year with i lost my shit ron I lost it so bad because it it was the simplest pass of all time, but it was like Checo, like pushing off Leclerc and basically saying, please go, Sir Hamilton, your dad and my dad are besties. I'm going to go and let you have this one. And Lewis just like, he just right through and it was awesome. And I've not, dude, like I've watched that replay, like at least, I don't know, 50 different times. That crowd went bonkers when Lewis yep. made that pass. And it was a simple pass. It wasn't like a crazy pass. It was just like, yep. these two are fighting for their lives. I'm going to go ahead and take advantage right through here. It was terrific. Um, it was easily my favorite moment of the season and easily one of my favorite races of the season. Um, Bahrain, we talked about at the beginning because even though both Red Bulls broke down, you know, it's just an Max exciting were, start to the season. Sure, very much so. Max was giving it to Charles all all night long. Excuse me, excuse me. Um, Charles was giving it to Leclerc all night long, and then all of a sudden his car breaks down, and then not even one full lap later, Checo's car breaks down, and we were like, uh, "Okay, apparently 
Red Bull can't go ahead and build a quality vehicle because they just broke down both of them. Um, yep. And then Saudi like Arabia the comes in. Same way, it was crazy. Ex- it, literally the same exact thing happened to both of them. Yep. They hooked right and then just shut down. And we were like, what is happening? But then in Saudi Arabia, Max is just like, again, giving it to Leclerc. And they almost had a full on photo finish to, to yeah. finish that race. Verstappen beat him by like less than a car length. And you, and I was like, whoa, that's dope. We're in for a fight. That, oh, dude, that race was chef's kiss. Absolute chef's kiss. Um, anything, any other race that really stood out to you? Uh, that is all I am remembering off the top of my head. Okay. Fair enough. Were you able to enjoy the spring, enjoy the spring a little bit more this season, Ron? You broke up. Say that again. Were you able to enjoy the sprints more this season than last? Uh, I don't know. Or is it the same thing for you? Uh, They still feel gimmicky to me, which is funny because something similar exists in other racing, like local dirt track racing usually has heats, which is essentially the same thing. Um, But those are people who are trying to race their way in and things like that. I don't know. They're just perhaps one of the reasons why I still feel salty about it is the way it played out in Magnuson is that, of course, he got a pull on one of the few races that had a sprint race. Um, I don't know. I just think it's unnecessary. Sure. I, I mean, that's a tough I, one I, considering I, that I Russell. Tended, yeah. I was just going to say, I tend to dislike fabricated excitement. Um, Cause I think if you get the rules, right, et cetera, that racing is fine as it is, leave it as racing. That's what it's, it's best. Um, which is largely why I like IndyCar a lot. And and still one of my biggest complaints with NASCAR is that it is rife with uh, fake or implanted excitement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and F1 has done something similar and I don't like it. So That's totally fair. Um, I, I, I'm not going to go ahead and say any much, anything much more than that. Cause there's two things that I want to go ahead and get to before we go ahead and wrap up tonight's pod. But I will say this, um, and I'm not going to get too much into it, but they announced the six sprint races for next season and a couple of the locations that they're going to be happening. I, I actually, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm not a fan of, I'm not a fan of us getting a sprint race in, in spa. And the reason for that is because the last three seasons, it's been the most weather affected race on the entire calendar. And it's a, a shame because it's actually one of, if not the best track in all of formula one. And I mean, 2021, you couldn't even get a full race out of it because it was, the, the rain was so damn bad. And now you want to go ahead and add in a sprint race. What? So you can go ahead and cancel it because it's raining too much. Get the hell out of here. It's, no, yep. just go. Like, yep. it, it's really frustrating. And so I don't, I don't want to go ahead and see that again. I don't want to see a really great race weekend get destroyed by terrible weather two days in one weekend. I don't need that. So uh, I agree with you. Um, yeah, Brazil ruled. Um, but uh, yeah, as if you're a Magnuson fan, you were kind of like left with a massive sour taste in your mouth because like, oh my God, he got P1. And the next day, and he's down to P8 within one lap because, yep. you know, Russell, Lewis, Max, Checo, Charles, Signs, everybody just passing right at the beginning 
My man didn't even have a chance to defend himself. It was ridiculous. He, he brought a pocket knife to a mini gun fight. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's a section, Ron, that I told you uh, that I wanted to go ahead and have towards the end of this pod. And it was like a, a almost like a go off section, which is hilarious because it's like we've gone off several times on tonight's pod. Like we've definitely made our feelings yeah. felt. <laughs> I screwed up because I was going to say, dang it. Oh, well, my go off was going to be on, on Red Bull for their first app of shenanigans. But anyway. No, but it's okay. I want to hear what you got. Well, I've got two. I've I've got two major gripes. Okay. Trying to figure out where I want to start. I think I'm going to go ahead and start with the, okay. I think I know you mentioned earlier when you were talking about Kevin Magnuson and Haas really dropping off um, because of whether it was, I believe the two words you said were budget and uh, there was another word that you went. Ahead oh and yes! How did I forget? This? Oh, um, development. <clears throat> yes. Okay. For a long time, for a long <laughs> time, I was a really big fan of Gunther Steiner. I was a fan. Like he, and he's not Toto. He's not. But I was like, oh, you know what? He might be my second favorite team principal on the grid. And by the way, this was at a time where I actually enjoyed Christian Horner. Gunther Steiner is a, do I want to say, no, fuck it. Gunther, I fuck, fuck, fuck Gunther Steiner. <laughs> fuck Gunther Steiner. Oh, you want to talk about budget and you want to go ahead and talk about development. Okay. Let, so you want to go ahead and talk about budget. All right. I studied an intro. We stated it in the F1 preview at the beginning of the season. We don't need Nikita Mazepin in F1. We, we, we don't need his attitude. We damn sure don't need his blood money. We damn sure don't need his dad. We don't need the Russian oligarchs in F1 period. They're terrible human beings. Bingo. It's, yep. it's, it's very much yep. well stated. That being said, I find it hilarious and completely two-faced for Gunther Steiner to go ahead and take Mazepin's dad's money to develop this car and then, oh, we're letting you go at the beginning of the season. Regardless of what the circumstances was, it's just very, hmm, well, that's interesting. So all of a sudden now they're pieces of crap, but they sure weren't pieces of crap when they were giving you their money to go ahead and develop this car. Okay. I let it go because I was like, they brought in Magnuson. They're yeah, wanting to go ahead and, you know it's, what I mean? They're, yep. Very it, two-faced. It's, it's two-faced because his morals conveniently changed. After Correct. he had the money. After he, he had was all the money. willing to forget his morals when the money was coming in. Thank you. Yeah. That Ron knows where I'm going with this. So that's point one. Point number two, you want to talk about development. You want to talk about development. And you have the child of the greatest Formula One driver to have ever lived in your race car seat. And now that you have a quote unquote faster car, you don't want to be developing the car while developing the driver. So you're going to go ahead and take that driver out of his seat and put in someone who's never even gotten a podium, never gotten even a podium, Ron. And you're going to go ahead and be like, oh, well, we need somebody else to go ahead and handle this a little bit better. So we're going to bring in Nico Hulkenberg, who, by the way, hates Kevin Magnuson. Yeah, that whole situation is just 
when that broke in the news, that was one of the most like third record scratch. What? Like, I like I, sure. I, like, oh, I'm reading a troll account. No, this is real. What? Like, I. Um, I like Nico. I don't. I've always said he's very overrated. I, I I don't necessarily have anything bad to say about him as a person. Sure, no, no, I I agree with you, and I'm not going to say he's overrated. <clears> but has, I will tell you, he has uh, gotten so 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 many opportunities and never really had much to show for it. Um, Daniel Ricardo whooped his ass <clears> in his last year at Renault. Like it, it took Daniel Ricardo f- maybe six weeks or six races to go ahead and really yeah, do it, yeah. but he whooped his ass in Renault. What what has always uh, upset me about Haas, and then this just doubled it down, is there are all these potential young American drivers um, who they even have one as their uh, what do you want to call it reserve driver um, Pietro Fittipaldi. Um, there are all these potential American drivers uh, and Haas claims that they're an American team. And mm-hmm. instead they go sign washed up Nico Hulkenberg, who's just going to be mediocre, probably because he brings a lot of money. Mick Schumacher doesn't bring in money though. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, That's what I'm I, saying. Like exactly. I, yeah. It, it, the comments of Gunther Steiner made a very, he, he made that statement of, uh, you know, we can, we, I don't want to be developing two things at the same time. In order for you to Screw get the you, best man. out of your car, yeah. you need to have the best talent in the car, Gunther. And you're meaning to tell me that a guy who's actually gotten It's points, just such a short-sighted thing to do. It, 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 well, it not only disrespects the Schumacher family, who, okay, fine. You want to disrespect the Schumacher family? You don't believe that they're relevant? Okay, whatever Gunther but then here's here's the thing that I'm not sure a lot of people have mentioned and to be fair I don't know what the relationship back behind the scenes is between Mick Schumacher and the people that I'm about to mention right now however Mick Schumacher is a part of the Ferrari Racing Academy he's part of the Ferrari drivers program it's very clear Unless I'm mistaken, and there was just like discord between Mick Schumacher and Ferrari as a program, if which I don't believe has been stated, so maybe what I'm saying is actually valid. Gunther Steiner, you pissed off Ferrari because they lent you him, so they he could at develop. At this point, I kind of hope they're pissed at him. <laughs> I hope so, and. Let me, let me, I'll tell you this right now. Officially, Gunther Steiner is easily the worst team principal on all of F1. He, he is because you took money, you tried to develop a car. The car got developed for like maybe five races. It fell off immediately. You went ahead and had this black eye because of Nikita Mazepin and his bothered the Russian oligarch. You, you then decide that it's a good idea that because you think you need a better driver in this car that this kid has been developing for you for the last two years. Mick Schumacher helped develop that. Hell, I'm going to even give a shout out to Nikita Mazepin for one, for one quick second. Nikita Mazepin helped you kind of develop that car last year. Now he got let go under different circumstances and I'm much happier with K-Mag in the car. Mazepin even let you even help to develop that car. And you're going to go ahead and tell me that this kid and Mick Schumacher did all that work all so you could go ahead and let him go and you could bring him a washed out cat or Nico Hulkenberg? 
Nico Hulkenberg didn't do shit for Aston Martin as yep. a test driver. Yep. You know what I mean? That like ridiculous. Yep. He, 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 he filled in for Lance Stroll and he filled in for Checo Perez when they were both at, 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 at uh, racing point before becoming uh, Aston Martin. I, okay. Maybe you can say, Oh, well, it was the car. He didn't do crap in qualifying either. Kevin Magnuson literally came in first race of the season, gets a P7, and then actually, I believe, had a P6 in qualifying in Bahrain. So don't come tell me that Nico Hulkenberg is the second greatest thing since sliced bread when you literally had Mick Schumacher developing and getting better as the season went along. As the season went along, if I'm not mistaken, Mick Schumacher put in more consistent performances than, than Kevin Magnuson even did. So don't talk to me about development and don't talk to me about a budget when you literally took blood money and then got rid of the guy. Once you realize it wasn't good for business. Yep. (sighs) Thing number two, Ronald. Fuck Zach Brown and, (laughs) (laughs) and fuck McLaren. Like, Oh my God. That's what I I was going to bring up. Yes. Okay. I'll let you go first once more. And again, please, I'm going to, an explicit sign and i'd like to apologize in advance to multiple people in in particular your wonderful wife who i know listens and again your mom and anybody else who's listening that's going to be offended by the language being used tonight but i'm pissed as is him because i'm not the only one that's dropped a couple of f-bombs tonight go ahead Ronnie. you should see how many uh times jorge has pointed his finger at his laptop screen <laughs> he's getting worked up um, i'm a little mad uh, but but for real i mean to your point on Zach Brown, he has – if Steiner is two-faced, Zach Brown is like five-faced, um, which is frustrating because he's also an American uh, in the F1 industry as the team principal for McLaren. Uh, and I would think – CEO. CEO. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, and Andreas has, is the team principal. So, sorry. Whatever. He has written – or cut or whatever the phrase is cut so many checks that can't be cashed whether he could or not uh and it's i don't know it's borderline unethical of dragging along all these young drivers with the promise that they're going to get into f1 um like i said i think we've talked about on the pod before but there's like three or four or five like potentially very good in deserving of F1 young drivers that he has signed a McLaren with not three or four or five seats um, and thereby taking them away from other teams. Um, and, oh, by the way, look what they just did to Ricardo. Um, and, oh, by the way, the McLaren car still sucks. Um, yeah, it's just a multitude of repeated poor performance and questionable decisions and ill-gotten motives uh, that I'm over. Uh, it's I, I was initially excited to see Zach Brown in the sport, and he's done a couple of cool things, but I think I'm ready for something else because this isn't working and it's pissing me off. The Daniel Ricardo thing was absolutely the last straw for me. Um, I'm all for Oscar Piastri getting a seat in Formula One, yep. even though he, him, a shot. He, does a, he does deserve a shot. He deserves a shot. Uh, he deserves a shot. Uh, Colton Herta deserves a shot. 
Pato uh, Award deserves a shot. Pato Award deserves a shot. And oh my God, why am I suddenly drilling? But like, who they just signed as their supposed third driver, which literally means nothing in F1 these days. Um, Alex Pelot deserves a shot. They all sure does. for real deserve a shot. And McLaren slash Zach Brown has signed them all. And exactly zero of them are going to get a shot. Correct. Because By the way, he signed them all. Yeah. Um, the chief technical officer of Mercedes AMG F1 is James Allison. So I apologize. That's who I was referring to earlier. Um, wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, you know, I'm not going to let Oscar Piastri off the hook just really quick because he did kind of go behind Alpine's back. Oh yeah. I forgot. About you know that. what I mean? So yeah, two face attracts two face. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. beyond shady. It was be first. It was, it was at first. It was that it was like, Whoa, you did what? Like there's a, the, formula one for all of its pettiness formula one for all of its drama is the gentleman's motorsport. We all know this. That's why we kind of like love it. You know what I mean? I, we've talked about it in, in months prior of there's a certain je ne sais quoi of Formula One. It makes you feel sophisticated and it makes you feel, oh, I need to smoke a cigar to go along with my brandy. Oh, look at this. It's Ferrari. <laughs> it's McLaren. It's the Red Bulls. Oh, Lord. Mighty, oh, mighty. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's the peak of motorsport. Or so, so I, I very much enjoyed that impression, Ray. Thank that you, was thank great. you, Ronald. I did it's my best. Exactly what I hate about uh, F one, and I think is largely what you love about it, and neither of things that are wrong. That's good. Exactly. Listen, it's the truth. Listen, yeah. if IndyCar was sponsored by Omega, I would be the happiest man on earth. <laughs> like I swear to God, if Omega could just get into IndyCar and sponsor somebody and give watches, like IndyCar would literally be F one Junior. Because all of a sudden now the dice watches have made it. Oh, Instead, boy. they're probably going ahead and being sponsored by Casio or Timex, which is no, which is, which is fine, I guess. Like you know what I mean? I I'd be down with the Timex. Timex looks cool. My thing is, there's a gentleman's agreement in most everything that the team principals do. Um, they're not perfect. Mat- Matthias Spinotto is not perfect, but he was always a gentleman. Right. Christian yep. Horner can be the biggest bitch on earth, but he is still a gentleman. Toto Wolf, he has his flaws, is still a gentleman. Even Cyril, who was at Alpine slash Renault before he was before he chose to leave, ha- had his gentleman qualities all the way down the list. Zach Brown is not following those gentleman agreements. Some people might say, oh, well, that makes him cool and hip. Not when you're being two-faced, though. And when you're trying to go ahead and scoop a driver who clearly belongs to Alpine's program and is clearly the guy that's meant to take over Fernando Alonso's seat, and you go ahead and basically steal him from Alpine without Alpine being able to interfere. And how do you feel if you are the guys like Award or Herta? or Alex Pillow, who are being promised these F1 seats, and then Zach Brown goes and signs some other kid who wasn't even part of McLaren, right at the 11th hour. Like, what the hell? I would be pissed. I would yeah. be pissed that I'm busting my ass here in the United States, which is perfectly fine because IndyCar is still great. But clearly, again, as I stated, F1 is still the pinnacle for most drivers. 
Yep. Not all, but most. And a yep. lot of these guys who are in the McLaren Arrowhead team over in the United States, they clearly want to race for the McLaren F1 team. And so here you are stealing somebody who's not even in your fucking program to begin with and giving him a seat to a guy that's already got a seat in Daniel Ricardo. Daniel Ricardo had an opt-out, but it was his opt-out, not McLaren's. Yep. You know what I mean? And so you forced him out of this seat. Not Daniel Ricardo didn't choose to leave. So not only do you go ahead and make Daniel Ricardo lose his seat, you gave Daniel Ricardo a crappy car to begin with all season long. Yep. You know, and 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 people can go ahead and say, "Oh, Daniel Ricardo just lost it." If he lost it, tell me why he, him, and Lando Norris pulled out big dick energy in, in Monza last year. Tell me. You don't just lose that. Lewis Hamilton didn't just lose his mojo after completely taking Max to the edge in, in Abu Dhabi last year. He didn't just lose his mojo. He obviously didn't have a car that was as capable as the one from last year. Daniel Ricciardo's car wasn't even close to Lando's. And you mean to tell me that that's a, a Daniel Ricciardo problem? You mean to tell me that six-time race winner Daniel Ricciardo just forgot how to race? No. You didn't want him in that seat. You made comments, and I'm talking about Zach Brown, you made comments about him in the media where saying you're disappointed in his performance. Well, we're disappointed in your fucking car. Like, <laughs> you, you, how is Danny Rick great at Alpine? How is Danny Rick great at Red Bull and, Al- and Toro Rosso at the time? And then all of a sudden sucks in yours. But Lando's yep. magically better. No, I'm yep. sorry, dude. No, Zach Brown, you're a two-faced bitch. And what you did to Danny Rick was absolutely unacceptable. And what you've done to now Pato Award, Colton Herta, and I don't know what the hell he's going to go ahead and do to Alex Palau. And Lord knows that right now Lando Norris is his, like, baby. But boy, howdy, will it not surprise me if in the next year or so, if all of a sudden Lando's not pulling out the results that he would like to see from Lando, all of a sudden Lando goes ahead and starts to go down towards the bottom of the totem pole. Yep. It's it, it's just listen, I know that you've said it to me multiple times, Jorge F1 is cutthroat. Yes, you're right. But team principals and CEOs of racing teams need to absolutely be better, and you need to conduct yourself like gentlemen. Gunther Steiner, you should be ashamed of yourself for going ahead and screwing over Mick Schumacher's career the way that you've done. Zach Brown, you literally left zero value with Daniel Ricciardo. You left him no value. You left him to the point that the only people that were interested in signing him were Williams and Haas. And Daniel Ricciardo didn't want to go to Haas. And then Gunther Steiner has the audacity to say, well, we don't want you to come here anyways. Yes, you do. If you didn't, you wouldn't have signed Nico Hulkenberg. So again, suck a dick. It just, oh my God. It just, it, it infuriates me. It infuriates me that these two are running two Formula One racing teams. It actually, but it shouldn't shock me because one of them is the worst team on the grid. And the other one did not live up at all to their respective potential. So what does that actually tell you? Feel better. Feel great. I feel great. (laughs) I've been holding that in for months. I have been holding that in for months. I, you even told me not to tell you what I planned on telling you. And I was like, okay, just know you're going to make me hold it in for another week and a half. It's fine. I'm going to blow off on the podcast. Oh, I'm glad you didn't have an aneurysm. Oh, I uh, almost did though. I almost did. That was good. But, 
yeah. Good. That all being said, I, 2022, it couldn't live up to 2021. Wasn't a, a good season? Yeah, it was okay. We didn't see any other winners that weren't Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari, which was very interesting. However, we saw better performances out of those other respective teams. Um, can you see 2023 at all being better than what we've seen this year? What, what A small little hiccup of a preview for what you may expect for 2023, Ronald. Oh, man. I am not going to get my hopes up. Mm-hmm. But you never know. It's racing. Um, I would like to think that Ferrari two-thirds of the way through the season realized that they were screwed and started working on a car for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know what? I'm going to be optimistic. Yes, I think I think next season will be better than this season. Okay. Interesting you bring up Ferrari. Where, what do you think or what do you see perhaps coming out of Mercedes? Can they build up off the success they had the second half of the season? I think yes, but not by much. Really? Interesting. I actually disagree with you on that. I think that Mercedes got a lot of confidence and I think that they now know exactly what they need to do in order to get to have Lewis be as successful as he yeah. can be and uh, yeah. George Russell as, as successful as he can be. Um, I, I don't see Russell beating Lewis next year. Um, that's not to say anything about 2024 or 2025, where again, Lewis will be 38, 39, 40 perhaps. Um, but it, yeah, I think if, that makes sense. If you look at the second half of the season, even though, because I did the math before we did the podcast a few days ago, um, the gap between Lewis and George was relatively big. The first half of the season, the second half of the season, George ended up only beating him by like 20 points, which is actually not that much. When you're I, I, if so in my last comment on, on potential preview type talks, we could save sure. for the episode, but I think if Mercedes does have the best car and George and Lewis are close, I think we're going to start to see that relationship fall apart and it getting spicy, just like it has in the past. Um, Sure. We'll find out. That's very true. But I also do see, and maybe this is me being optimistic, but I do see a very healthy amount of respect between George Russell and Lewis Hamilton. I think George Russell looks at Lewis Hamilton as being one of his heroes. The kid, he he grew up watching him and he was very he was very much on Lewis Hamilton's side when everything went down last year uh when you know obviously people some people still say that Lewis should have won Abu Dhabi whatever I'm not going to get into that that's not the conversation but I think that Lu- I think George Russell would love to see Lewis Hamilton win his eighth world championship and I think Lewis Hamilton or George Russell would be keen to be the best teammate possible to allow that to happen and if that were to happen and we do see Lewis Hamilton win an eighth world championship, that's when we'll then go ahead and see George Russell really want to go ahead and be like, okay, now I want my own shot. But again, yep. that's maybe me being yep. optimistic and because I want Lewis to win number eight, but I do feel that um, there's a lot of respect between George and Lewis. And I think George is willing to go ahead and help his teammate, the legend, make history happen one more time. Um, yep. the, the one thing where I'm going to be really keen on, because you mentioned uh, potentially how spicy things get between George and Lewis, is 
what exactly happens at Red Bull next season. Like, I, I'm, I'm just genuinely like, okay, here come the fireworks. Yeah. You know, what, what's going to happen? Gonna like, is, who's going to play ball? Is Checo going to play ball? I don't know. Like, you know, the, the question, the, the question is actually starting to become like, how many races do I see before Danny Rick is in that car? <laughs> like, that's really the question yeah. here. Yeah, um, yeah, and I honestly, I think it's a legitimate question. To be completely fair, so um, we'll obviously find out more. I believe from the last time that I checked, and I was listening to the WTF One podcast, they had stated about a week ago there's about a hundred days left till testing in Barcelona. Right. Um, as of right now, I'm probably going to say that we're somewhere deep in the low nineties. So, bring it on! Yep, I'm stoked. That all being said, what a great season. Buddy, what a great thing to have you back on for the first time in a few weeks. Um, and uh, obviously, it's not going to be happening all the time, but it is great to see you. I've missed you. Thank you for having and, me. Uh, of course, man. It's my pleasure to have you on as a special guest host from time to time. And uh, Ron is going to be coming on uh, infrequently, but still coming on nonetheless. Yep. And every time that he's going to come on, it's always going to be a, a ton of fun. Um, and I thank him very much for his time and I'm glad that you're feeling better. We had to postpone this respective episode. Kid you not at least five times. That's yes. It, he's not joking. <laughs> yeah. We almost had to postpone it tonight because somebody went ahead and left their charger at work. <laughs> yep. Um, but that all being said, um, thank you very much for everyone for listening. Um, if you're interested in following Ron's social media and, uh, following up by the way any can you give us a small 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 update on whatever's going on now with the c3 build if there's anything at all the frame is done but i don't have it yet okay uh, hopefully getting it soon um otherwise not a big update yet i've been working on well first off i've, I've literally been home one weekend the past like six or seven weekends um so i haven't gotten a lot done long story short We'll be getting to it here soon. Very cool. I'm looking forward to it as always. Um, on my end, you will have already listened to the episode with Dell, um, having hung out with me uh, for about an hour and a half talking car culture, talking in a bunch of audio. So for those who have listened to that episode, I really hope that you've enjoyed it. And it was a great time having him on. Yes. That all being said, I want to thank everybody for listening. On behalf of Ronald Morris, who's right over there getting over a cold, the man, the myth, the legend, go check him out at hounds.and.horsepower. And shout out to Rochelle and Mrs. Morris and Mr. Morris, who bought me lunch the other day. Appreciate you, Mr. Morris. Uh, my name is Jorge Aquino. You can find me at the one and only Jamin19. And most importantly, you can find Tormenting Tarmac on Instagram at Tormenting Tarmac. Please go ahead and check out our Instagram as well as um, listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those places. We are there with 26 now episodes to choose from and uh, listening to me and Ron and others just talk shenanigans about car culture. But that all being said, this has been Tormenting Tarmac. It's where the enthusiast never dies. Have a wonderful day, everybody, and very much happy holiday season greetings.